Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. What is up, everybody? Back at it again on a Saturday. Little weekend. Happy Saturday. Happy draft. As I'm recording this, it's uh, the middle of the third round. Um, The Vikings pick 78. So we're just rocking and rolling. I I wanted to wait till the weekend just to see if something crazy happened. Obviously, the Rodgers thing is what I'm going to start with. And then just some of the main points. I'm mainly going to stick. Listen, I play the hits. Uh, we're going to talk about the first round, some things that stood out to me and some funny things and yeah, the quarterbacks and we'll dive into it a little bit. The Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff, my Instagram handle. I'm probably going to do that on a weekend, which would probably be either Saturday or Sunday. I'm recording this on Friday. So someday this weekend, I'm going to throw a bunch. I have so many direct messages, AKA DMS. And I just, I want to do a football podcast. And we'll, I'll save some of the DMs also for Tuesday's pod. But I, I want to make this just kind of a heavy hitter, what was going on the last 24, 48 hours. And uh, we'll do with that. If you listen on Collins' feed, you guys know the drill. Please leave a review and subscribe to the 3 and Out podcast feed. It helps with, uh, with business. I want to start with Aaron Rodgers. Biggest story in America, right? Absolute bombshell, he wants to get traded, slash, he's never going to play for the Packers again. A lot happened on Thursday. We were all swimming. Hell, me, you know, obviously I covered the 49ers really closely. It was like, are the 49ers going to trade for Aaron Rodgers? A lot happened. As I'm recording this right now, he's still on the Packers. 
But I think we need to rewind. And listen, full disclosure, candid about it, I was open about it a year ago. I thought they did the right thing when they took Jordan Love. They made a calculated, educated guess that Aaron Rodgers' career was trending down. You know why? Their first year, Gudikins and LaFleur as the head coach and the general manager, it didn't go well. So they thought big picture, and they drafted Jordan Love at the end of the first round. Here's the problem. Sometimes, when you make a decision, it does not have the desired outcome. A lot of people get married. Guess what? A lot of people get divorces. A lot of people go to work at companies because they think they're going to move their way up and make a lot of money, and they get stuck, and they're not able to move up. We all make decisions, at least the most of us, right, with the best intentions possible. And the information, I would say any good decision maker with the best information, you know, that's available to them. And most people in a company, in the NFL, in a, in a household are just giving suggestions. There's really only one decision maker. When I grew up, it was my mom or dad, right? Ultimately, it was their decision. If you, if you have kids, it's you. It's not them. They, they tell you what they want to do. You're in control. When you work at a company, you give suggestions. It's ultimately the boss or the owner's decision. All these kids that have been drafted tonight, you know, the team is drafting them in hopes they're going to be a good fucking player. Pro Bowls, starters, second contract guys, they don't know. They're just taking the information in hand and they're making educated decisions because we all want an outcome that we really kind of can't control, but a lot of stuff in life is out of control. We're kind of hoping for. We know where we want it to go, but we don't know if we're going to get there. And I think most people make the decisions with, I mean, I think, you know, I guess there are some, you know, bad people, but most good-hearted people make the decision that they think is best if they run a company for the company. If they run an NFL team for the team. What does Belichick always say? I'm going to do the best thing in the interest of the team. I don't think he's lying. Doesn't mean everything always works out. They saw Aaron Rodgers, didn't go well, they took Jordan Love. Here's the simple reality. It backfired in their face. Rodgers was pissed off. Don't totally blame him, even though at the time he was coming off a season where, I don't want to say he looked washed, but he looked like his arrow was pointing down. Then he comes back and he wins the MVP. He carries the team, I don't know, to the NFC Championship where they hosted the game at home, and he was the best player in the league. It's not even arguable. He was better start to finish than Patrick Mahomes, who might be the best quote-unquote player in the league, but last year, Rodgers individually was the best player in the league. And here's what Rodgers does really well, and I told Colin this on his podcast. He had a quote, it's crazy when you read a book or you read an article that really you remember if it's really good. You don't remember the whole thing. At least I don't. Maybe it's my limited intellectual capacity. But I'll never forget this. And it's kind of crazy. I, you know, I do this podcast for Colin. I once was reading his book just because I was a fan of his work. And he, in his first book, it's really the only, it's only coward. I think he wrote two books. I only read the first one. But he had a great line. I remember writing it down. I didn't even need to. It's stuck in my head forever. That holding a grudge is like chain-smoking hate. And I've never forgot that because I'm petty and I can hold grudges. I still do to this day, even though I've tried, quote unquote, as I've matured. Uh, again, that's in quotations. I, you could say I'm not that mature, but I've, I'm definitely more mature than I was four or five years ago that I try not to hold grudges because I do think he was onto something. It's like holding hate inside your body. 
And the majority of humans, and I fall in this category, struggle to function when the grudge is at the top of my mind. I think as I've aged, I've been able to kind of compartmentalize a grudge. I still like a little grudge. You know, when someone I think kind of fucks me, it's hard for me to forget. But I used to, definitely in my late 20s and early 30s, and again, you're talking about a guy who got fired in the NFL, who had a rough breakup in radio, that it was just really angry, but it really, both times, the best thing that ever happened to me. And as time goes on, you just, you kind of let it go. But early on, I would have been way more productive and probably made more money faster if I would have thrown to the side. Because I'm not great at compartmentalizing anger. Clearly, Rodgers, who's like a year older than me, yeah, I'll be 37 this year, he'll be 38. So yeah, he's a year older than me, a class older than me in high school. I think, and he's talked about this, got very, very good at compartmentalizing his emotions. Because he's always been known as a petty guy, right? And I, I think a lot of people are. I don't, I don't think he's alone by any means. Most people are definitely not as talented at what they do as Aaron. And this year, he was laser-focused, he embraced the offense, and he eviscerated the NFL. Absolutely destroyed them. Basically took the uh, you know gasoline, poured it all over everyone he played, and lit the match up until the last game when he was he was you know it wasn't his best game of the season. But I, I'm not putting that whole game on Rodgers. But they lost in the NFC Championship game. One thing was clear with some of his comments after the season to McAfee, and then what happened this week? He never forgot. He just put it to the side. But like any true grudge holder, he, he never let it go. He didn't, you know, wrap it up and throw it in the trash. He was pissed off. And in fairness to him, I'll defend Rodgers here. Their decision to him was a major FU. And it failed. It backfired. Because it pissed him off slash makes him hate them. And they have a problem on their hands now. And it's easy to say, well, just suck it up and come back together. Look at the Seattle Seahawks. I was just talking to Coward about this. They go acquire a tight end this offseason. They go acquire a new offensive coordinator. They go acquire a new uh, 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 offensive lineman, Gabe Jackson. They bring back Chris Carson. They do a good job of just simmering the fire around Russell Wilson. The Packers kind of do the opposite. For the ninth time in 10 years, they take a defensive player in the first round. Now, I always defend teams that win consistently because drafting in the late 20s is difficult. Khalil Max and Julio Joneses and J.J. Watts aren't just sitting there when you're picking at 28, 29, 30. But that was basically like, yeah, we're just going to do what we do. We don't really care about Aaron's feelings. And it's 2021. It's not 1996. Aaron not only is your franchise, he prints money for your franchise. The problem with their franchise, though, there's not an individual who understands how much money Aaron's making them because their owner does not exist. So there is like this disconnect between a money guy that Aaron could go to and be like, what the fuck are we doing? That guy, They have a team president who's an employee and they have a GM. They're a front office run operation. I think they're in a tough spot. Now, I also think it's easy for anyone to say, I'm out, I'm not coming back. Aaron makes $35, $37 million a year. Last time I checked, that's about $2 million a game. That's a lot of coin. Is he going to sit out games? I doubt it. But if he's true and goes, listen, guys, I'm never playing for you again. Trade me. And in modern day times, that has more juice than it did 
in the Al Davis heyday, back when Bill Parcells was coaching. Those days are kind of over. Even in the NFL, it takes a rare guy. Most players, you say, shut up, we don't care. He's the best player in the league. When he says that, it actually matters. And listen, they created this. They made a decision. I've been to several weddings. People are happy. Some of those people, still happily married. Several kids. Some of those weddings, I'm only in my mid-30s, so you do the math. Some of these people aren't that old. Got divorced and got divorced fast. No one gets married thinking they're going to get a divorce. They made the move thinking Rodgers was trending the wrong way. He wasn't. He fired back and played arguably his best season in five years. So now they got a problem on their hands. If they are going to trade him, one destination makes a lot of sense. The Las Vegas Raiders, which a team that he literally put on the list of teams he would go to. I would have, listen, I understand the Niners were a rival. If you love Trey Lance, I don't know if they did. It doesn't get any better than the third overall pick and replace him with a quarterback. Because here's what you can't do. You can't trade up the Denver Broncos for three first-rounders and a second-round pick, not get a quarterback back, and roll with Jordan Love. Because if Jordan Love sucks, and last year he definitely sucked, you get fired. And you never become a GM, and you never become a head coach in the NFL again. So I do think this situation, ideally, you want him back on your team. Obviously. I mean, it's not preaching the choir here. That's, that's what you want. That's a desired outcome. But... If he truly makes a stink, I do believe he has the juice to force his way out. And I only think there's one destination that makes any sense. That's the Packers. You get back a quarterback who you could immediately be competitive with, make the playoffs next year, Derek Carr, his teammate Devontae Adams from college, their buddies. Here would be one fixable thing. And I told Coward this on his podcast. I said, listen, you want to make good? Something in, in my business when you mess up an ad read and the company's like, you know, you screwed up the ad read or you forgot to read the ad, we need to make good. I imagine anyone listening, depending on what your industry is, probably pretty normal. If something screws up and we paid for it, you need to make good on that. Here's a way to make good on Aaron Rodgers. And listen, I'm not a salary cap expert. They would need to figure out some things. Go trade for Julio Jones. Go, hey, listen, Aaron, we're sorry. We messed up the Jordan Love trade. We'll trade Jordan Love. Get rid of Jordan Love. If that's what it takes, go get Julio Jones. And then you got Devontae, and then you got Julio. Because here's what we know. It's laughable that when people are like, you know, he'll retire. He'll go host Jeopardy. No, he won't. He's the MVP of the league. He wants to play football. The question is, does he ever want to look at Mark Murphy and Brian Gudekins in the face again? Because they took Jordan Love. Put yourself in that situation. Even if you had a down year. You literally carried the franchise for a year. Multiple MVPs before last year won a Super Bowl. Helped, I mean, clearly Rodgers thought McCarthy was a village idiot. Whether that's true or not, like, you'd say based on last year, Aaron Rodgers' case, it looks pretty good. Looks like I would lean he was onto something. You either got to make good or, like, understand, like, he's kind of right on this. You made a decision, and that's what GMs are paid to do. Not all decisions are easy, and most of them, or at least probably half of them, when it comes to the draft, do not work. It's one thing, though, when you pick a player who can't play. Whatever, you move on, you go find someone that can. Through a trade, through the waiver wire, through whatever, free agency. It's another thing to pick a player to replace another player who happens to be the MVP of the league. 
who happens to be a guy who needed more help. A team that was right there on the cusp. Gudikins blew it. So when I read like, you know, this is a tough spot for Gudikins, yes, one that's self-inflicted. He created this fire. There is no way around it. Now, I've said before, I'm not trying to like create new narratives or new angles because I've said before, do they get some credit for motivating Aaron? And the more I've thought about it, maybe a little, but Aaron's been great before. Like Aaron's just, I don't know, an elite player. So they made a move, a bold move. It blew up in their face. And if I was them, I would work day and night to fix this thing. I'd be kissing his ass. I'd fly out to see him. I'd trade for Julio Jones. I'd do whatever's necessary. But if I do get to a point, and he's got the juice to make it, this is never, the genie's never going back into the bottle. It's over. To me, the Raiders are the only team that could keep these guys head above water and keep their jobs for the foreseeable future because they get a quarterback back under contract who knows your star receiver, and he's pretty good. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, before we get into some of my thoughts on the first round, I have to read this quote because it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And I love Dan Campbell. I've been a big Dan Campbell fan from an entertainment standpoint. Deuce Daly, I consider Deuce a friend. He's on the staff, and I I love Deuce Daly. I'm rooting for the Lions. The Lions drafted a pass rusher, Levi Onzoriki, from Washington. He opted out this year, didn't play. I think the Niners were going to draft him. The Lions traded up to get ahead of them and take him. Here was his quote after he got picked and went on with the Detroit media. If this doesn't sum up the Detroit Lions and the Dan Campbell operation, I don't know what does. Quote, I like fucking people up. I like to get off the line and just put my helmet or my hands on an offensive lineman and fuck up an offensive scheme. Pretty much. I like pushing them back two or three yards and just making them Feel like shit. End of quote. This is a great tweet. Chris, who tweeted this out. The press conference was like a Scorsese film. Goodness. Like that. I love everything about Dan Campbell. I love this kid. That's awesome. (laughs) I don't know much about that player. A lot of Pac-12 players. Panay Sewell. That guy. The Oregon safety. A lot of guys that got drafted in the top. uh, Like 50 picks did not play this year. But I want to start, we'll get into the quarterbacks here in a second, but just some picks that stood out to me. Listen, I love wide receivers. I love running backs. I like offense. I consider myself an offensive guy. I don't know that much about defense. Even if, I mean, if you just put me on the whiteboard, I don't, I'm not a defensive guy. I can evaluate defensive linemen, linebackers, and definitely DBs are not my strong suit. I lean offense. In my career in the league and definitely in college, two offensive coaches, our best players were always on offense. I feel very, very comfortable evaluating, talking about being around offensive people. So I I like wide receivers. But I fundamentally don't believe when you get a sweet quarterback and draft a guy like a Joe Burrow, like, I mean, I don't know if two is sweet, but you drafted him really high, you have to protect him. And in the draft, you have to have a hierarchy. Offensive linemen are more important than wide receivers. Why? I can get wide receivers in the second and third round. And I understand that Tua played with Jalen Waddle. Guess what? I love Jalen Waddle. I understand that Joe Burrow played with Jamar Chase. Guess what? 
I love Jamar Chase. I like both those players. I would take him on my team yesterday. Those guys are badasses. But I would take an offensive lineman, Panay Sewell, over both those guys. And both teams passed on them. I disagree fundamentally with that philosophy. Joe Burrow was out for the season last year because they could not block. Well, you got Jonah Williams coming back. You draft Panay Sewell. All of a sudden, you're cooking with gas. We're going. The Miami Dolphins. You get Panay Sewell. You got Austin Jackson. You got two tackles. I understand. Like, I, I get it. I want wide receivers. But you got to get the guy help first. I remember when I was doing stuff with the Raiders, they drafted Amari Cooper the year after they drafted Derek Carr. But they already had Gabe Jackson, Donald Penn, and Rodney Hudson. Like, they had a core group of offensive linemen already on the team. I like building in the trenches early in the draft. I didn't like those picks. Not because I didn't like the player. I just was like, uh, I don't know. Here's another thing that really stands out. And I don't necessarily totally blame them this year. But it's happened now like twice in four or five years. Why do we always know who the New York Giants are going to take? We always know. The Eagles jumped them. And maybe it was clear. Maybe it's un- maybe I'm being unfair. But Howie Roseman flips with the Cowboys to get Devontae Smith because he knew the Giants were going to take him. The Giants do a poor job, just in general, of keeping it close to the vest who they're going to draft. I I just didn't quite get that one. And I got to give the Cowboys a lot of credit. They trade back with the Eagles because guess what? It's not like, you know, we don't want to play Devontae Smith. Devontae was either going to the Eagles or he was going to the Giants. The Cowboys are going to have to play him twice a year. So they said, shit, we might as well take the extra third-round pick and draft the same guy that we would take anyway. Then it turns out, obviously, the Giants move back with the deal with the with the Bears. But I, I like, like, back to Dan Campbell, like, their excitement when they took Panay Sewell because they're just trying to build in the trenches because that's the one place where you can still be really physical. I love it. I like the running backs going 24 and 25. Najee is a baller. Travis Etienne, baller. Don't love Urban Meyer, you know, dropping. He's a third down back. No Urban. He's your starting running back. And the rookie they had last year is good, but as someone in the league told me, they're like, you know, Urban's either going to be two things. The Jags are hoping he's going to be Jimmy Johnson. He might be Butch Davis. Now, Butch Davis won pretty big in college. I don't think Urban's going to be Butch Davis, but I don't comments like that. Like, is he going to be Jimmy Johnson? I don't know. And I like their first two picks. Hell, I like the the third pick, the guy, uh, the corner they took from Georgia. So I, I just, to me, value, value, value is key. Like Sertain and J.C. Horn, those guys are plug and play starters, a premium position, draft eight and nine. Like those two picks for the Panthers and the Broncos. That's not out thinking the room. But taking wide receivers when stud tackles are on the board, look what happened a couple picks later. What do the Chargers do? Rashawn Slater? Shit, we'll take him. What do the Jets do? They trade up for Tucker from USC. I like taking offensive linemen really high because history would say I can get badass wide receivers in the second and third round. So I, I just didn't love those picks. And let's talk about the quarterbacks. We've talked to, you know, for forever about Trevor Lawrence. 
Um, he's a big-time talent. It's going to be on Urban Meyer and the coaching staff. He, to me, is going to be good enough. It's going to be whether they can surround him. They already got ETN. They got some wide receivers. They should be pretty uh, pretty talented on offense. I actually had a buddy in the league text me just impromptly, like, you know, looking at the Jags roster, I can see them winning six or seven games. They have a lot more talent on the team. Obviously starts with the quarterback. But to me, the coach, we'll see. I mean, the jury's going to be out. We're all going to be watching it pretty closely. It's a fascinating watch. Two guys I got red flag, though, are Zach Wilson. I think it's going to be difficult. I, I really do. Their team is not very good. It's just not. They signed Corey Davis. They don't have a running back. Uh, they they drafted you know uh, what they drafted a wide receiver last year high in the second round. But you know this guy's coming from BYU, New York City. The pressure. I, I just think it's going to be really really difficult. First time head coach, first time coordinator on defense and on offense. Lafleur's brother has never called plays. Obviously, he's worked with Kyle forever. So the pressure is just, it's New York, it's angry, it's just, it's going to be intense. Here's the other elephant in the room. I think Sam Darnold's going to be pretty good in Carolina. So part of Zach Wilson, the reason you're there is because they traded Sam Darnold, who they drafted number three overall. So if he's playing well and Wilson's struggling, it just could be difficult. I think Mac Jones, everyone just assumes Mac Jones is going to be good. First and foremost, Mac Jones didn't fall. I actually think he got drafted relatively high. 15 for Mac fucking Jones? And I'm not a Mac Jones hater. I'd say historically Mac Jones goes in the second round. Like pick 45. 15's pretty high. And I love Belichick. I think he's the greatest coach of all time. But let's not act like he's some great drafter recently. Could Mac Jones be good in New England? Sure. Could he also struggle? 100%. Sean McDermott is a big-time defensive coach. So is Brian Flores. Do you know what New England is that Alabama is not? Cold, snows, rain, sleets. Mac Jones is not used to that weather. I don't know how he's going to play in November and December. It's tough. The pressure also of playing for Bill Belichick. Now, I get he played for Saban. This is a different level. It just is. He doesn't have Jalen Waddell. He doesn't have Devontae Smith. Najee Harris ain't walking through that door. And I know they signed a couple tight ends and they signed Kendrick Bourne and they signed Nelson Aguilar. I don't love Nelson Aguilar in that weather. That's going to be a challenge. To Justin Fields. The value for Justin Fields, a guy almost six feet four inches tall, who ran in the four fours with a big time arm, in the history of the draft, high productions there, never been in trouble off the field. That guy usually goes in the top five. So for the Bears to get him at 11, that's highway robbery. I was texting with Nagy. He's so fired up. Like just the value there, that just fell in his lap. That's crazy. Now, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but that talent, you could combine Trubisky, you could combine Dalton, you could throw in Foles. And I know Foles accomplished a lot. Those three, you could combine their talent. They don't equal fields. Now, Talent doesn't equal success in the NFL at quarterback. But it's hard to just find these type talents who also produced in college. So for the Bears to just be there at 20 and all of a sudden this kid starts falling down and they're able to get up to 11, Ryan Pace should go to church this Sunday and say some, say some thanks. I'm not even a religious guy. I don't even know what you say. But you hit your knees, you look up, you look up top, and you go, how did this happen to me? 
We ended up with Justin Fields because we were about to go into the season with Andy freaking Dalton. Like, it's like, maybe Andy Dalton starts. I, I heard someone say, like, maybe he could be the uh, Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Andy Dalton, one, he's not as good as Alex Smith. Two, Justin Fields should start day one. Al- Andy Dalton, you're the backup, buddy. and Enjoy being a $10 million backup. There's nothing wrong with that. But Justin Fields should start day one. And it's, if he's good, he could save, really, their jobs. Here's the other thing. An underrated part about getting drafted is where your narrative starts with the fans and the media, especially in a big city. It's like if Mac Jones, I'll get to the Niners here in a second, had come to the Niners, it would have been very, very negative from the jump. In a weird way, people would have been rooting against him. Instead, he goes to the Patriots, and it's beloved. He looks like a savior. Justin Fields, the moment they... We looked up at our television screen and said a trade is in and the Bears are on the clock and you're going, oh my God, they're going to get Justin Fields. And they get Justin Fields. There is not a team in the league that's a big market team that went into the draft with more negativity, with more thoughts of, we're kind of screwed. Our team sucks. To within one pick to go, we have hope. Another reality is in the Midwest, the Big Ten is king. These Big Ten schools, 50,000, 60,000 people go to them. I'm sure many people listening attended one of those universities. Wisconsin, Notre, or not Notre Dame's on the Big Ten, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana. These are enormous schools. Well, what's the biggest city in the Midwest? Chicago. This guy's going to have people pulling for him. And that hasn't been the case with Trubisky. Because early on, people realized, oh my God, Mahomes and Watson are elite. Our guy sucks. Now, Justin Fields may end up being bad, but everyone is going to support him the first couple years with his ups and downs. He has everyone pulling for him. And I'm not talking about the coaches in the front office, because that's all Trubisky had. The fans gave up on him. The fans have this guy's back. And there's something to be said about the momentum of a player when they're drafted pulling for them. I see that in my backyard with Trey Lance. The 49ers overpaid to get up to three because they wanted to control the situation. I never thought for a minute Mac Jones would go there. And some people have said that I'm telling you Kyle would have picked him. Other people have said it was a lie. I don't know Kyle. I haven't asked him. I don't know what to believe. Here's what I do know. The information is in. Had they picked Mac Jones at number three, it would have been the biggest overpay, arguably, in the history of America, in any business. Because Mac Jones, I'd argue, was overdrafted at 15. But you can't trade pick 12, two other first-round picks, and a third-round pick for Mac Jones. Because we saw his value. And let's face it, Patriots, little desperate. Cam Newton can run the ball, can't really throw anymore. Thank God, either Kyle loved Trey Lance, which he acted like he did after Thursday night, talked into it, whatever, but he took a guy with a high ceiling. Now, probably the riskiest pick in NFL history. Started one game, small school, team traded the farm for him. But the team is well-equipped to kick ass and take names. They just drafted Trey Sermon, as I've been recording this. 
They drafted a guard. They already have Trent Williams. They have Debo Samuel. They have Brandon Ayuk. They have George Kittle. They have Raheem Mozart. Their offense is pretty loaded. Here's another part of their team. Because the Patriots took Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really have anywhere to go. So Jimmy Garoppolo has no choice. He just gets to kind of be the starter slash compete with Trey Lance. But Jimmy Garoppolo has a lot on the line. He's 29 years old. He's not 40. He potentially, if he acts like a good guy, helps, starts, and plays well, can have a long career as a starting quarterback and make a lot of money. But if he acts like an asshole and treats him poorly when he's in no position to do that, it could limit his chances. Jimmy's represented by Don Yee, a Tom Brady guy. Like, they're typically pretty smart, high character. He knows what's on the line. They kind of got Jimmy by the balls in the sense of Jimmy's just going to do what they tell him to do. And right now, he's technically the starting quarterback. And ideally, I think they would like him to just play well and Trey Lance to back him up. Personally, I would have an open competition. Because the moment you draft a player, whether it's in the second to seventh round or the first round, their clock starts. Now, the great part about a first-round pick is you have a fifth-year option which meaning time's a little bit on your side. But I would rather slowly integrate Trey Lance. I went to Cal Poly. We consider it Harvard of the West Coast, even though it's not Harvard of the West Coast because guys like me could get in. But they had a motto, and I live by it to this day because I don't learn anything by just reading a textbook. I never did. Or sitting there watching a teacher do PowerPoint presentations. It's like, hey, teacher, no one's fucking watching you click this button and change slide to slide. We don't care. This doesn't. This is not how most of us learn. But that's uh, another argument for higher education another day. Our motto was learn by doing. We had a lot of labs. We did a lot of like hands-on projects. They were big on internships. They were big on actually getting jobs for school credit. It was it was big in my major. And as I've gotten the last fifteen years of my adult life, whether it was working in football, working in radio, now working in the I introduce myself now. I, I used to say I was a podcaster. I introduce myself now with a straight face, and I say I'm a streamer. I say, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a streamer. They look at me like I'd probably make like $5. Little do they know. But I say it with pride. I used to be kind of insecure about it. Like, I'm a podcaster. Now I don't even say that anymore. I, I say I'm a streamer, and I kind of smirk. And But I've learned how to do all this stuff through trial and error. The reason Josh Allen was able to kick ass and take names this year and lead the team to the AFC Championship games because he had ups and downs his first two years. Mahomes is an outlier. I like my guy playing from the jump. Now, I get it. If he's clearly not ready week one, I understand because Jimmy's there. But you have to get this guy ready because this guy isn't just the future, but he's also the present because his contract tells you that is. You don't have an unlimited amount of time. Like you really have to take advantage of these next three or four years. And the way you take advantage of his second and third year is him being ready because he played his first year. And I get it. The Niners think they're you know one of the best teams in the NFC. And, and roster-wise, if their quarterback plays well, they definitely are. But I could live with some ups and downs with a rookie quarterback knowing it's going to benefit me in two years more than like trying to win a playoff game this year with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, you could argue if Jimmy Garoppolo were to win a playoff game – his value goes up and you can flip him. So, I mean, there are two sides of this argument. It's a fascinating story where I don't think there's really any... Trevor Lawrence the starter day one. Zach Wilson's the starter day one. Uh, I would make Justin Fields the starter day one. I know Bill Belichick said Cam Newton's the starter. I'm going to call bullshit. I would expect Mac Jones to be the starter week one. 
Trey Lance, a little more complicated, but I, I, I lean just make him the starter. I, I really do believe that. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I, you know, the fourth and through the seventh rounds, there are going to be a ton of players go. 
I say the same thing every year. I don't put that much stock in anyone that's drafted on the third day. Because you can get drafted in the fourth round, and I've been lucky enough to go to these practices for a decade, and you realize within a couple practices, whether you work for a team or whether I'm just on the sideline watching, and you go, God, who's that guy? And they're like, oh, that's one of our undrafted free agents. And the thing with football, it's the greatest competition meritocracy probably in America that you get some of these guys show up, they're immediately making, you know, they sign a $35 million contract if they're a first rounder. Other guys show up, they get a $5,000 bonus. Some undrafted free agents don't even get a bonus, but let's say five, ten thousand dollars That's that's all the money they get guaranteed, $10,000. And within a week, the head coach, the general manager goes, holy shit, is this guy going to be a starter for us? That's how fast it happens. And there's no league like it, right? Baseball, you got to work your way through the minors, and obviously anyone that's ever known any minor league baseball player will tell you, I mean, the the hierarchy that goes there, I mean, is big. And I'm not saying there's not a hierarchy in the NFL, right? First-round picks are going to get more reps than the undrafted free agent. But the undrafted free agent 100% can't just make the team or can't just make the team. He can start. It happens every year. Same with a sixth-round pick and beat out a third-round pick. A seventh-round pick can beat out a second-round pick. Now, the seventh-round pick is, could get cut if he sucks. Second-round pick can't. But that guy can start, and that guy can play. And it happens every year. Another thing that I talked to a buddy about a couple days ago, and I've been thinking about for a while, is when I got in the NFL in 2010, and historically it was always like this, if you were a quote-unquote weed guy, you smoked weed. It was a huge negative. People looked at you like you were a bad guy. Hell, I know. My, my parents are older. right? My dad's gone, but he would be in his late 70s. My mom's 72, 73 years old. When I was growing up, they thought weed was like crack cocaine. They thought if I smoked weed, I would you know, go to jail. I'd lose my ambition, and I'd be a loser. I smoked a little weed in high school. The problem is I didn't really like it. Back then, I couldn't control my mind, and I freaked out. In the last three or four years, I've been in business with weed companies, and I got back into it, the edibles. And I'm, I'm in just much better control of my mind. I love it. Helps me sleep. It's made me much more creative. It's led to a lot of topics I've done over the years on this podcast. It's really helped me in, in the business I'm in. Think of different topics. Think of different angles. I am way more creative on it. Personally, and I've been drinking for 20 plus years. And I've never drank less than I have the last three or four years. I hate being hungover. But here's one thing I know, and I, I don't, I'm not against drinking. I, I love to drink. It's fun. I just hate being hungover. Drinking, having been a guy that's drank for a long time and someone who's smoked and taken edibles now for a long period of time, drinking is infinitely worse for you. But if you're in a draft room and I tell you, you know, this guy parties a couple times a week. It's like, oh, he's just out with the boys, shotgunning some beers, taking some shots, chasing some ladies. It's applauded. Yet in these draft rooms, I had a friend tell me that he's like, you know, we had these draft meetings and these guys are crushing these guys for getting high and playing video games or getting high and hanging out with their buddies. I'm like, you fucking morons, they're harmless. And I, I think people that have changed their thought process and realizing, because I heard of a prominent player in this draft, one of the knocks on him was he liked to get, he liked to get baked, he liked to smoke a little weed and play video games. People are like, loser, what's he doing? It's like, guys, this is like 1978. And really the reason weed, I think my parents thought that, 
was because big tobacco, which clearly cigarettes are way worse for you than smoking a joint. Now, I don't smoke weed because I'm scared to like burn my lungs because really the only thing I can productively do is talk. And if I ever couldn't talk, I'd have a problem putting a roof over my head. So I just take edibles. But I know a lot of people that smoke and they're fine. It's like one thing I know about alcohol, within a couple months ago, I lost a friend. A guy I grew up with, one of my best friends in elementary school, in junior high, in high school. We went to college together. He had a pretty big drinking problem. I don't know anyone, and I've known a lot of people who have smoked a lot of weed. And where I was from, maybe I was around it early, around just drugs in general, was like junior high. People that are smoking weed, I'm 36 years old, for well over 20 years. Never had an issue. Not one. So I think these teams that have changed their philosophy on like, there are players on every team in the NFL, star players, they get high all the time. You know the NBA is full of? Potheads. The best players in the league. Several of them. We have a running joke in the Bay Area about Klay Thompson. No one cares. It's not that big a deal. Do you know what I'd rather have my star player doing in 2021? Getting high than have a drinking problem. And that is a theme right now. And we talked about it a little while ago within the last couple months about this draft, about guys that play video games. Like, that's a big thing. I mean, I remember when I first got to the league, and we always read about when we were a kid, guys that like, guys like to party, and guys like to go to club, and guys like to do recreational drugs like cocaine, right? And it's like, you got to be careful with those guys. And I think that that human, because the way society's changing, the way these kids are growing up, they're more likely to play a video game to connect with their friends on the internet. I'm talking about star college football players that go to a club like the guys 20, 30 years ago do blow and drink. (laughs) That's just the reality of the society that we're living in with technology. And honestly, I'd say that's a good thing. And I heard about a star player in this draft who, I wouldn't say fell, but went a little lower than he stood. One of the knocks about him was like, you know, he just gets high too much. It's like, well, have you watched him play? It's like, yeah, he kicks ass. It's like, you guys, man, have an antiquated thought process here. My, my dad would roll, in his, oh, roll over in his grave if you heard me talking like this around marijuana because I, I, I've been around that generation. They, they thought it was meth. Like, they thought it was a hardcore drug. It's just, it's just not. <laughs> you know, it, it really isn't. And I'm someone who was very anti-marijuana for probably most of my 20s. Because I, I, it used to make me feel really weird. And it turns out it was really, I just couldn't really control my I was immature with my mind. Now, everyone's different. I'm not saying like everyone should smoke marijuana or take edibles or drink. Like everyone should do what they want to do. But my overall point is we need to be careful with the way we say like being a quote unquote weed guy in college. Do you know what that is? That's the norm. Do you know what used to be the norm in like, 2005 or 95 or 2000 guy drinking most guys drank and I, I bet most guys still drink right I'm sure if you're listening you drink I, I'm literally have a glass of wine in my hand right now I'm not a big wine guy but I just I had this new sponsor on my other podcast and it's actually pretty good <laughs> not gonna lie so but my point is just overall the teams that are just get ahead of this stuff make better decisions And they don't pass on a guy. It's one thing to pass on a guy in this draft. And the thing you realize, 
I'm out of the loop now. Like going into the draft, I don't know stories about every player. But when a guy gets drafted, especially on teams that I'm interested in, I'll text my friends, an executive, a college director, and I'll go, what's his deal? And he'll go, you know, he fell because he had an issue in college, something that's pretty shady, something with a girlfriend. And you'd be like, whoa. But then you hear, you know, we thought, you know, he might have a weed problem. And you'd be like, huh? Seriously? Like, that's your issue with him? Like, come on, guys. Get with the times. There's a big difference between, and I'd say, and honestly, this is going to sound crazy, but I would imagine 15 years ago, domestic violence and being a guy that smokes weed would both have been equal demerits. Would have both, and some teams, got you pulled off the board. Think about that. Now, luckily, I think some of these forward-thinking coaches, some of these open-minded coaches, some of these coaches, I don't know, that are just locked into the way society is, don't think like that anymore. But you'd be nuts if you didn't believe that some of these old-school scouts, old-school coaches, and old-school GMs, I imagine you know most of the owners dabble, but still factor that in. And it's the reason sometimes you look up, you go, why is this guy falling? Why is this guy not falling? Sometimes it's information that teams only have, good or bad. But I think you'd be surprised which, with how much marijuana still factors in, which to me is just insanity. Uh, have a great weekend. The draft, I just looked up. It's, I guess, officially over for the night, so we're on to the, to the fourth round. By the time you're listening to this, you know, they'll probably be looking at a zoo or something going on. But have a great weekend. Have a great night. Adios. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.